Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling, a podcast on accessible travel brought to you by Accessible South Africa. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're chatting to Lauren Jackson, who shares some insights on traveling to 13 different countries as a wheelchair user. Then, in our service provider spotlight, we're going to visit a nature reserve that has not only wheelchair-friendly features, but also has a braille trail hike. As always, we ask that if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe so you can receive new episodes as soon as they're released. And now, let's meet Lauren Jackson. Today on A Different Way of Travelling, we're chatting to Lauren Jackson. Now, Lauren and I met each other through the Accessible South Africa Community Facebook group, and we started chatting about travel. And when I spoke to her over the phone, what she told me, what she shared me about some of her travel experiences made me realize that she would be a brilliant person to interview for the podcast. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you with us. So to start off with, can you just give us a, a brief introduction to who you are and a little of your story before we dig into the travel side? Absolutely. So I have a genetic disorder called osteogenesis imperfecta, more commonly known as brittle bone disease. Essentially, it's a collagen disorder, which means the main, the main issue is that my bones are more fragile than the average person. So they can break more easily. Uh, this also results in me being a much smaller stature. I am in a wheelchair. Um, and because I'm a smaller stature, my wheelchair is actually a child-sized wheelchair, which in many ways is quite advantageous, especially with regards to traveling. Because I'm smaller, my wheelchair can fit into many more places than the average person's. And also, I'm quite a bit lighter if my wheelchair needs to be carried, etc. Of course, my brittle bone disease also makes me um, a little bit more nervous of getting into awkward positions where I could get injured. So I am quite careful um, about the situations I get into. I prefer not for my wheelchair to have to be carried and that sort of thing, just in case someone should slip and I wouldn't want there to be any sort of a, a, a tragic tragic situation where I could get injured. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was born in Durban, spent most of my life living in Johannesburg. 
Um, I've worked for a public relations agency in Johannesburg by the name of Maropa Communications. I was at Maropa for 13 years, started off as a, an intern, then went on to become the assistant to the CEO. Um, and then I spent my last 10 years in the company working in the HR department, heading up the HR function for the company. Around 18 months ago, I resigned from Europa in order to relocate to Cape Town. I wanted a bit of an adventure. Um, my brother and sister both lived here. So my parents and I decided to move down. Um, I took the first six months off from work. I'd saved up to allow me to be able to explore my new city, catch up on books, that sort of thing. And then for about the last year, I've been back in the job markets looking for my next permanent position. Sounds like there's been quite a fascinating journey with a number of different areas of, of field that we could dig into, but I'm going to restrict <laughs> myself to chatting to you about travel. So you and I have spoken about this already on a previous conversation, but can you tell us a little bit about the travels that you've done? Yes. So I adore traveling, especially internationally, but I love traveling within South Africa as well. Uh, my first overseas trip was to celebrate my 21st birthday. My family and I went to Mauritius. And from there, there have been many, many trips overseas. I've been to 13 countries um, around the world. Places like, um, I primarily stick to the main cities when I go to, to countries. Um, so I've been to New York. I've been to London three times. Um, Paris, Barcelona, Amsterdam. Um, I've been all over Italy, Istanbul, Dubai, Hong Kong, Singapore, Bali, Australia. I think that's about it. But I absolutely love international travel or any type of travel. It sounds like you've got quite an extensive um, travel experience there. And I'm going to love to hear some of the stories of your, your travels as we go through the, the questions of the podcast. But maybe we can get kind of just dig down into a little bit of the detail. Tell us some of the logistics of how you travel, how you research before you travel, the things you need to look up, look into, and how you kind of research that to ensure that you're not placed in a risky situation when you're traveling. Okay, so traveling for disabled persons involves a lot more research than probably the average traveler would have to undertake. Um, especially if you're going to cities and towns that are not particularly wheelchair friendly. So also finding accommodation is quite tricky. Um, so what, what happens first is once we've decided on where we want to go, I will then get online and start looking for other wheelchair users who have perhaps traveled to that destination before. Um, and I will hopefully find blogs um, and forum posts for people who've been there. I find TripAdvisor to be hugely use useful in this regard. I also often will put questions on TripAdvisor. So I'll go to the page of the place that I'm visiting on the forums and I'll ask, you know, has anyone ever done this? Has anyone ever done that? Do you have any advice? Um, and I'll usually get quite a lot of feedback. 
when it comes to accommodation, that is quite tricky. Obviously, you need wheelchair accessible accommodation. We love traveling to um, preferably older cities in Europe. And any older cities usually don't cater that well to wheelchairs, or especially older buildings don't cater well to wheelchairs. You know, European buildings generally often won't have lifts. There'll be stairs. On the rare occasion where a lift has been put into the building, uh, the lift is often too small. Bathrooms are often not wheelchair accessible. Um, so even if you're staying in a hotel, you'd be amazed at how many hotels, even if they have a lift, the lift is literally too small for the wheelchair to roll into. And by too small, I'm meaning even for a wheelchair of my size, which is child-sized wheelchair. Uh, not to mention the fact that European hotels have very small rooms, so they're quite pokey. Uh, you can often just get your wheelchair in moving in one direction. I mean, you've got to sort of move backwards and forwards in one direction in the room. It sometimes there's not even enough space to turn around. Um, so for that reason, we prefer staying in Airbnbs. Uh, that, again, comes with challenges because, again, most Airbnbs are not in buildings with wheelchair with, with lifts. It's quite difficult to find apartments on the ground floor. Um, once you do find an apartment or two that look like they may be suitable, you then have to get on with the, the owner of the apartment and you sort of start on a conversation about how, how big is your lift? Are there any stairs? Because another thing is often there'll be a lift, but it'll be at the top of five stairs. Not a train smash for me because I am smaller, but an average-sized wheelchair user, that would be a, a, a major mission for them um, and be virtually impossible. Then we often have to, I often have to ask them if they can measure their lift. Uh, often there's uh, a break in language, so we, we're struggling to communicate sometimes using Google Translate. <laughs> um, and they're measuring the lift and then they're sending me measurements. I sometimes request a picture of the lift. Um, and then, you know, with Airbnb, you can't communicate directly with them via phone because uh, you don't get given their phone number until you've actually booked. So then they're uploading additional photos onto the site so that I can see the pictures of the lift. And that is when the, the host actually has bothered to explore the options with you. Often, the minute they hear you're disabled, the shutters just sort of come down. You know, and they are not, they, they really just say, no, I'm sorry, uh, our property is not wheelchair friendly. Um, and you've sort of got to start from scratch then looking for your, looking for your next property. Um, I generally travel with my parents. Well, I do travel with my parents. Sometimes my brother and or sister will join us on our trips. Um, we like to choose accommodation in the middle of the cities that we are visiting, in the middle of the tourist areas, because overseas, generally public transport is more difficult for um, wheelchair users to use. It is drastically improving, especially as of late. Um, I've just got back from a trip to Italy, and I was really impressed at how many of the buses are actually wheelchair accessible. Um, so I think things are changing. 
Um, but often the best way to get around a city is via underground or subway. Those are generally, for the most part, not wheelchair-friendly. The rare station that does have a lift, uh, the lift is sometimes out of order, which means you could arrive at your station on the subway, get to the lift, and earlier it's out of order, which means you would either have to be carried up one, maybe two flights of stairs, or climb back on the train and move on to the next station, which would hopefully be accessible. Um, so, so yes, we try and stay in central locations where we can walk to most of the tourist uh, sites, as you will. Um, we walk a hell of a lot. We also find that walking around a city is the best way to get to know the city. Just to experience the atmosphere, have a look at the buildings, stop at little cafes on the way to sort of have coffee and croissant, that sort of thing. So we, we enjoy doing that. When you're traveling, you say you, you um, prefer going to some of the, the older cities in and around Europe. Do you find that you have a lot of struggles with um, cobblestones and, and that type of environment as well? Cobblestones are a big pain of my life when I'm <laughs> traveling. Um, after having visited several countries in Europe, I can honestly say that the worst cobblestones that I've experienced are at the Palace of Versailles, just outside Paris. I was there two oh. months ago. They are dreadful, aren't they? They are absolutely hideous. And, you know, um, it's not an – I generally um, – one of my family members will push me, so that's not so much the problem. But wheelchairs don't have the greatest shock absorbers. Yes. Well, actually, mine doesn't have any shock absorbers. So it's quite jarring sort of on your on your neck and even on your brain. You kind of feel like you're getting knocked around quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, that's not pleasant. Um, Italy has also got some some quite vicious cobblestones. Um, and generally I'll find, you know, if I've been walking on, well, rolling along cobblestones for like an hour or two, I kind of need a break just to come back towards myself, if you will. Um, and, boy, when you find that odd um, paved, pavement or, or section of road wow it's really a, a huge relief <laughs> i can imagine that cobblestones aren't great when you're traveling with a white cane either so i think I we can, can share that can yes. we can we chat about you know you've, you've already mentioned that you use TripAdvisor, um, you use airbnb what other kinds of technology do you use to make your travels easier either in the research or the implementation, or actually while you're traveling? What apps are you using? What technology are you using? So Google Maps is a huge one, um, especially for getting around, uh, looking for ways around flights of stairs, that sort of thing. Um, you know, you can come to... Also, increasingly, Google Maps is helpful with public transport. So finding... Uh, which buses go in which directions, that sort of thing. Now that increasingly I'm able to use buses, Google Maps is great. The only thing with Google Maps, um, they do now have offline maps, but on my last trip I discovered maps.me, um, and that's a similar similar mapping app to Google Maps, um, but it's more of an offline map situation. So that's great because on maps.me you actually can see where you are on the map with a little blue dot, 
And then as you walk, it sort of follows follows you along your route. So it's all used via GPS, I think. Um, so Google Maps and Maps.me. Other than that, I haven't really come across any um, apps that I really use with regards, specifically with regards to traveling as a disabled person. I often think that it would be wonderful if there were apps specifically for um, booking travel um, and advice on, you know, where wheelchair accessible bathrooms are in cities, um, where wheelchair accessible restaurants are in cities, that sort of thing. So that would be hugely, hugely um, advantageous. But as of yet, I haven't come across any. I don't know if any do exist. I know there is, um, in the UK, there is one, I think it's called, oh, I, I don't want to put it out there and then find that I'm wrong, but I, I believe there is one in the UK. I also believe that um, Google Maps has started looking into getting more accessibility feedback onto their maps. And I don't know if that's a, a separate section of the maps, but I think the trend is moving towards the awareness of accessibility, which I think is great. And some of the um, metro maps and things like that, the online ones, they're, they're starting to shift towards just um, making the accessibility more obvious. And I think that's a really great move and a great help for us when we travel. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do every now and again stumble across something on Google, on Google Maps, which refers to disability. And I'm always like, Oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm happy to see that. So, yes. Um, another, oh, another app I use, obviously, is um, Uber. But then anyone would use Uber. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a great assistance as well. You know, the other thing that I found um, people have reported to me with um, the Google Maps is, um, is it Google Earth, where you can get the street views, which also help looking at the accessibility of buildings and things like that. Have you investigated that one at all? Uh, my goodness, yes. I spend a lot of time on Google on Google Earth um, and Google Street View more specifically. Um, I use it both overseas as well as in South Africa. If I'm going to any place that I haven't been before, um, I spend a lot of time checking out the route as well as the final destination on, on Google Street View. So, yes, I, I love Google Street View. I don't know how I lived before Google Street View. <laughs> Well, the other piece of um, information that I've, I've heard recently is that I believe Airbnb are asking people who are registering their, their premises as with Airbnb and claiming that they are accessible. They're asking them to ensure that all the accessible facilities are um, illustrated with photographs. And I think that's quite an interesting one, which I'd like to also kind of explore a bit more on a future podcast. So I think we are seeing the trends in technology that are moving more towards helping those of us who travel with disabilities. And I can't wait to see how it's going to make our lives easier as we go into the future. Absolutely. I mean, as it is, I don't know how we lived before technology because <laughs> this... it's a lot easier. I'm really excited to hear that about the Airbnb website. I know the difference between when I booked my most recent trip um, to Italy versus my last trip, which was about three years ago, uh, there's a lot more exploration within each Airbnb site as to um, when they fill out the features of the accommodation, 
when they do say they have wheelchair accessible features, you know, they'll go into asking, you know, or talking about, do they have grab rails? Is there step-free access to the bedroom? That sort of thing. And that's all great. But also I think for a host who maybe doesn't know a disabled person or hasn't experienced any type of disability, they may not always be able to answer those questions to a level of what somebody in a wheelchair or a disabled person would actually deem to be acceptable. And that, um, of course, provides another challenge, uh, along with the fact that for each of us, our, our needs differ so widely that something that is accessible for one person may not be for another. Precisely. Now, when I'm picking an, a, a, an Airbnb accommodation, for instance, my when in Europe, my first my first sort of hurdle that I need to cross is whether there is a lift. Uh, if there's a lift, I can need to ascertain whether it will fit my wheelchair in. I've even gone to the point where, uh, on my first trip to Paris, we booked into a, an apartment building that had a lift. We couldn't really ascertain if the lift was going to be big enough. When we arrived. And whenever I arrive at a new Airbnb, I'm sort of holding my breath, not <laughs> as to the quality of the Airbnb, but as to whether I'm even going to be able to get in really We arrived, and unfortunately, there was just no way the wheelchair was going to fit into the lift, open with me in it. So what we kind of had to do is my dad had to pick me up and hold me. Um, he would then get into the lift. My mom would fold up the wheelchair, roll it in behind me, close the door of the lift, because it was one of those old doors where you had to physically close the door, you know. She, we pressed the button. We'd then go up to the second floor where the apartment was. She would have to run up two floors and meet us at the top, open the lift door, take out the wheelchair, open it up, and my dad would put me down into the wheelchair. That was fine in those days when my parents were younger. They are getting um, a little bit older, and I'm a little bit heavier now. So there's no way I would I would have a situation where my, my dad would have to hold me in the lift as we as we go up the floors. On my la, on my recent trip to Italy, the first uh, lift we came across, after numerous emails and um, pictures uh, that the host loaded up onto Airbnb websites, and he even drew me a plan with measurements on it of the inside of the lift, which he also put onto Airbnb. I decided, well, it was the only accommodation I could find. I was just going to try it out. And uh, we arrived, and sadly, the wheelchair didn't fit into the lift. Oh However, God. and this was the backup plan, there was a fold-down seat in the lift. So I would transfer onto the seat. They would fold the wheelchair. My family would fold the wheelchair up. One person would get into the lift with me in the wheelchair and we'd press the button and go up to the, this time, third floor. The rest of the family would walk up and when they'd get to the top, they would reverse the process and I'd get back into the wheelchair. So thank God for that fold-down lift because if that hadn't been there, I don't know what I'd do. Um, once, once we've got over the lift hurdle, the next challenge is to accessibility of the bathroom. And again, every time I go into an Airbnb, Airbnb, I'm sort of holding my breath. Am I going to be able to get into the bathroom easily? Will I be able to get to the toilet? Will I be able to close the door of the bathroom behind me? 
Um, I prefer bathing in a bathtub. That is also very rare in Europe. Most apartments only have showers. If there is a shower, um, I would need a roll-in shower. I prefer not to shower in my wheelchair. So then is there a plastic chair somewhere in the, par- in the apartment that I can put up in the shower? And I then transfer into the chair and I shower in the chair. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things to think about. Very much so. And things that many people who travel don't have sort of access to the information that, that does make a difference to us won't even think about so it really is fascinating to to chat to people and learn their different uh, preferences, their needs, the accommodations that work for them. So while we've been chatting, you've spoken about a number of the challenges that you need to overcome in preparation and when you're on a trip. So why travel? I mean, are there any advantages to traveling with a disability? There actually are some advantages to traveling with a disability, believe it or not. Uh, number one, you don't have to stand in queues most of the time. And as the world becomes more global, uh, you see more and more when you travel to Europe, especially the huge numbers of people that are traveling all of the time. Everywhere you go, there are long queues to enter into tourist sites. So, for instance, the Vatican Museum, they warn you you need to be there sort of at the crack of dawn, and even then there can be one or two-hour queues. I know when I was in Barcelona, there was a three-hour queue to get into the Sagrada Familia um, church. As a wheelchair user, look, I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't go to the front of the queues. I go to the back of the queue and join like everyone else. But every single time, someone will come and pull me out of the queue and take my family and I to the front. And when you are traveling overseas, that saves a huge amount of time. It also means that I don't have to book to visit those sites earlier in order to to jump the queue. Um, I'm just taken to the front of the queue as soon as I arrive. So that's that's fantastic. Um, Another advantage is that usually I, as the wheelchair user, get free entry into a lot of... um, Overseas, overseas tourist sites, um, and very often my uh, whoever accompanies me, so one person, whoever is pushing me, will get free entry as well. Um, and that can save a lot of money when you're going to places like the Vatican Museum and traveling on rands in, in Europe, which is quite expensive for us poor South Africans. <laughs> it's very true. I've had some similar experiences. That is, there are benefits, aren't they? There are benefits. But as to why travel, I really find that traveling is the most eye-opening and mind-expanding thing that you can do in life. Uh, We all tend to get very caught up, and I'm not just talking about disabled people here, but we all get caught up in our everyday lives and uh, the issues and mundane uh, issues that, often mundane issues that we deal with every day. We tend to think that where we are is the center of the universe. And it's only when traveling outside of your immediate environment and exploring the world out there and all that it has to offer that you really get an understanding of, wow, there's a whole world out there. 
there's so much going on and there's so much happening. And it's an amazing opportunity to get to experience that. That's so true. And I think, you know, people have asked me often, why why would you travel as someone who's totally blind? It's like, well, exactly the same reason that anybody else does. It's not the why that is different. It's just the techniques that we use that are different. So exactly. I, I think so true. And it's exploring new cultures and foods and experiences um, and taking things off your bucket list is always also fun. Yeah, true. Okay, so you've told us a little bit about a whole bunch of different places and great experiences that you've had. But what's your one favorite travel experience that you've had so far? Oh, my goodness, that is very, very difficult. But I think um, maybe I could give you an unusual travel experience that I had. Maybe that would be a a good one to talk about. That sounds good, yes. So I I drive a modified um, car, which I actually purchased and had modified for me by a company in the UK um, called Steering Developments Limited. They're based out of Hemel Hempstead, which, as I recall, I think it's about two hours outside of London. So once I decided that I was going to start this process of going down the road of having a car modified, um, and once I'd found steering developments and it had all been set up, over a period of nine months, I had to travel to London for fittings with Steering Developments Limited three times in a period of nine months. It was my first trip to London, um, so it was very exciting. Um, And... um, The third and final time I went there, the car was finished and I was going to test drive the car. Um, It was the middle of winter. Um, I remember we we would always stay in London and then we'd travel by train out to Hemel Hempstead, which was always fun. Uh, I don't really travel by train in South Africa, so it's always fun using trains overseas. and we arrived in Hemel Hempstead uh, on the day of the driving test. I was absolutely petrified because I'd never driven a car before. I'd never even steered a car before. I didn't have uh, a driver's license because I couldn't get a driver's license not having a car. So there's no way I was going to even attempt driving this brand new car, which I wasn't even 100% sure I'd be able to drive yet um, on the roads. So it was arranged that they would take me and my car to a an abandoned airfield just outside Hemel Hempstead. It was actually a World War II airfield. Um, so they drove me and my car to this airfield. It was cold. It was raining. It was overcast. Um, and they basically put me and my car on this airfield and they said, okay, go for it. My legs were shaking. I was so nervous. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, um, but I did it. And it was really, really exciting. We ascertained that all the modifications were working, that they were suitable for me. Um, And a couple of months later, my car was shipped to South Africa, and um, I still drive that car today. So I think that was a bit of an unusual travel experience that most people haven't had driving for the first time on an abandoned airstrip um, on the other side of the world. 
that must have been an incredible feeling for you. It was it was really incredible, really scary, but yes, yes very incredible. I can imagine. So I can remember the first time I drove as well. It it was not quite as unique as yours, but I think those <laughs> nerves are part of the experience. So just going back to then kind of the the service providers in the, the tourism industry, the tourism hospitality industries, if you could give them one piece of advice to make their venues, their services more user-friendly to persons with disabilities, where should they start? What is that one piece of advice? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think ultimately, probably one of the best things they could do is to consult with somebody in the disability sector. Now, obviously, individual hosts of Airbnb apartments are not going to do that. But if you can kind of sort of get information from somebody in the know, I really think that the average person who has no experience of disability or of someone with disability probably really wouldn't know where to start. Um, so unless they research it, I just think if they can, if they could get um, advice from somebody in the know, I think that would be a big help. Sounds like a good piece of advice because that's a great starting point at any place. And there are a number of organizations around the world that do work in this area. So exactly. they definitely for service providers, it definitely is a good starting point. Thanks for that. So if people would like to reach out to you and either learn a little bit more about yourself or your travels, how can they do so? Okay, so the best two ways to do that, um, I'm on Facebook uh, with my name, Lauren Jackson. Um, and then most of my travel photos, well, all my travel photos um, are on Instagram. So Instagram I specifically use for travel, mostly. Um, and I'm Lolly J on Instagram. That's L-O-L-L-Y-J. Great. Thanks Lolly so much. I'm sure people will enjoy seeing some of those photographs and experience some of the places that you've visited. Absolutely. A number of people with disabilities are would love to travel. They're very keen to try, but they're nervous about doing so because they're uncertain about what they'll find, what they'll experience. What would you say to them to inspire them or reassure them about the, the options, the possibility of being able to travel? I think, first of all, make sure that you do your research. You are usually not the first person with a disability to travel somewhere. Somebody else has been to where you're going at some point and they have really good advice to share. Don't ever let, don't ever have the attitude that, oh my gosh, I'm not even going to attempt it because it looks like it's not possible. So you have to have an adventurous spirit. Um, generally, I think you need to travel with someone else. I would never go overseas on my own. Um, you do hit challenges and things where you wonder, okay, well, how am I going to work around this? You just have to have a backup plan. Um, I know in Hong Kong, 
we we were on in central Hong Kong and we were shopping in a shopping center and a restaurant, we'd been recommended a restaurant two blocks away. So we thought, fantastic, let's just walk. It's two blocks, it's nothing. We went out of the shopping center onto the street and the shopping center was surrounded by massive freeways, literally on every side. And when I say freeways, I'm talking about like six lane roads. They were they were marked off so people couldn't cross the roads, that you couldn't jaywalk, no matter how much you wanted to. Um, and the only way off this island uh, of this shopping center was either use a taxi or walk over one of the raised walkways. Now, the raised walkways were up two or three flights of stairs and then down two or three flights of stairs the other side. We spent hours walking around, going into tunnels, trying to see. The, the, I couldn't believe that in a modern city like uh, Hong Kong, there was not a way to get off this island without having to use a vehicle for a wheelchair user. After walking around for about oh, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours, we eventually admitted defeat. We realized there was no other way off this island except by using a car. And by this stage, the time had passed. We actually didn't feel like going to the restaurant anymore. We tried another day. And we got onto into a taxi and we actually went to the next stop on our on our on our tourist tour, if you will. So yes, you do face challenges. You need to be able to, you need to know how to roll with the punches. You need to have backup plans. But honestly, there is nothing like traveling. To me, it is the most exciting thing that I can do. So, the final question then. What is still yeah. on your travel bucket list? And do you have any, any specific intentions for your next trip? So everywhere is on my bucket list. <laughs> I want to as many places as I can. Unfortunately, every time I go somewhere, I love it so much that I want to go back there as well. So the list never gets shorter. Um, but as for upcoming plans, uh, within South Africa, I'm going to visit family in Durban in January. But then overseas, my brother and sister-in-law recently moved to Rotterdam somewhere that I haven't been. So um, my parents and I are planning a trip to Rotterdam probably in the first half of next year. And then we want to add something onto that. So we're thinking of maybe Bruges or um, Porto in Portugal. Mm. We haven't decided quite which one. Or we may go somewhere that we haven't even thought of yet. So you're busy the doing the research. <laughs> that yes, sounds I am. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you today and I've, I've loved hearing some of your adventures and may I call them misadventures in the travels that you've done absolutely thank you so much for having me now it's time for the service provider spotlight today we're showcasing Frulicate Nature Reserve a nature reserve situated in the Breda River Valley, about 15 kilometers south of Robertson, on the road to McGregor, in the Western Cape in South Africa. Frulicate has a number of wheelchair-friendly facilities, including accessible parking, 
an accessible outdoor area, a boardwalk and bird hides where you can view the 175 different bird species that live in the nature reserve. In terms of facilities for those who are sight impaired, Frillicate has a one kilometer long braille trail with tactile signage with interesting information about the area. You can find out more about Frillicate Nature Reserve by hopping onto the Accessible South Africa website on www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za and looking under the Activities tab. Once again, that's www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za under the Activities tab. As always, we suggest you do contact the service provider directly to ensure that your individual needs can be accommodated. Travel can be a somewhat nerve-wracking experience for persons with disabilities. The places we go may be unfamiliar and we're not certain what we're going to find, the level of accessibility when we travel to places we've never been before. And I think today's travel quote is particularly relevant to those of us with disabilities who do travel. Neil Donald Walsh said that life begins at the end of your comfort zone. That brings us to the end of today's episode of A Different Way of Travelling. It's also the last episode for this year. We'll be back next year with more inspiring travel stories, exciting, adaptive travel experiences, accessible service providers, and digital devices and resources that can help those of us who travel with disabilities. We want to thank you for listening and hope that you'll join us again next year. We wish you a peaceful and prosperous festive season, a great start to 2020, and till we meet again, happy travels. it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za, on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa, and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. Editing by Kate Strachan using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow, based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Musa Izulu. Thank you for joining us on A Different Way of Traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.